This morning's reading is Proverbs 17, 9-22. He who covers over an offence promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. A rebuke impresses a man of discernment more than a hundred lashes a fool. An evil man is bent only on rebellion. A merciless official will be sent against him. Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool in his folly. If a man pays back evil for good, evil will never leave his house. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, the Lord detests them both. Of what use is money in the hand of a fool, since he has no desire to get wisdom? A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. A man lacking in judgment strikes hands and pledge and puts up security for his neighbour. He who loves a quarrel loves sin. He who builds a high gate invites destruction. A man of perverse heart does not prosper. He whose tongue is deceitful falls into trouble. To have a fool for a son brings grief. There is no joy for a father of a fool. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to um, be with you. I hope you enjoyed some of those proverbs. Pick pick which one we're going to look at. Uh, I hope you're feeling relaxed. I feel like I've just been through a massive jazzercise class or something. Um, So we should pray as we um, come together. Heavenly Father, it's a great morning outside and it's been a great morning inside here too. We thank you for the youngsters that you bless our church family with, uh, the chance that they've had this week to uh, rejoice in you and learn more about you. We pray that that would continue now that they're out there um, uh, in their groups. But we thank you too for the uh, opportunity we have now to just pause and uh, reflect for a time and think on this issue of friendship. And I pray, Lord, that by... Your spirit, you might work within us this morning, whether we feel uh, like we've got many friends and uh, blessed with an abundance of people that care for us and we we are involved in their lives, or whether we actually feel quite lonely and isolated. Uh, For any of us and all of us this morning, please speak to us and instruct us and encourage us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are new or just visiting us, we're in the third week of a three-week topical series. And a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the, uh, the issue of giving, uh, which was fun. And then uh, last week, we looked at the issue of identity, who we are as human beings and as individuals and how we should view ourselves uh, in a world where uh, self-view is uh, such an important thing. And today, if you've come, we're thinking about the issue of friendship. Uh, I'm a big fan of the singer uh, Bill Withers. Uh, anyone else like him here? Maybe a couple. There's a couple. Uh, In one of his uh, better-known songs, he sings these very familiar words. Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend, I'll help you carry on. For it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. Just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. I just might have a problem that you'll understand. We all need somebody to lean on. Uh, Those are words that uh, I don't think it matters where in the world we are or what kind of time of history, uh, people understand them. 
because they talk about the difficulties of life and the difference that relationships can make in the face of those difficulties, having someone to lean on or being a person that someone else can lean upon. We all know the blessing it is to have someone that knows us, uh, cares about us and that we can lean upon. And yet, despite the fact that we know that and we love that, the reality for many of us is it's not actually our experience. We long for it and yet don't have it. And that's bizarre in a number of ways. We live in a world with a population of around 7.5 billion people and yet many of us feel lonely. We live in cities with hundreds of thousands and uh, millions of people in some cases and yet many of us feel lonely. We've got more ways of communicating and staying in touch with people than ever before by phone and text and email and Skype and social media. We can share with people on the other side of the planet, visually and audio, uh, within seconds, and yet so many people can hear the words of lean on me and be deeply troubled by them and saddened by them. The lack of someone to lean on, the lack of a trusted, loving relationship is felt acutely by many of us. Mother Teresa spent many years working with some of the most poor and sick and suffering in Calcutta. Uh, She's reported to have said that the worst disease was not leprosy, AIDS or cancer. She said it was loneliness. And as Christians, we understand the truth of both those things that I've just been speaking of. The truth that there's a kind of innate desire that we all have for relationships, someone to lean on, and yet the, uh, the inability to, to find perfect loving relationships in this world. Christians understand both those truths. The Bible's very clear that these desires and longings, met or unmet, are part of the way that we were created. And we see that at the beginning of the Bible. And it was helpful that Matt took us through with the kids a little bit of the beginning of the Bible because that's what I want us to, to start with this morning. Right at the beginning of the Scriptures, in the first book of Genesis, we read of God creating everything, including us as human beings. And we see these two truths, that we're made for relationships and yet relationships are not what they should be. And so in chapter 1, God creates the different aspects of the world, as Matt told us, and after each stage in Genesis 1, it says that he looked upon what he created and said, it is good. And good there means according to God's plans and purposes. It is what it should be. So he creates the sun, good. Moon, good. Water, good. Cheeseburgers, who wanted double cheeseburgers? Clear. Good. At the end of creation, the last verse in chapter 1, it says God saw all that he made and it was very good. And so when you get to chapter 2, there's a surprising verse. In verse 18, it's surprising because for the first time in this very good creation, we're told that something is not good, not according to God's plans and purposes. And what is that? The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. All of God's creation has been good up to this point, very good, but now for the first time we're told there's something that's not good. It's not good for someone to be alone. Why? Because God created us to have relationships. And uh, I I believe this is part of what it means for human beings to be made in the image of God. If you think about it, the God that you and I follow is the triune God, the one God but three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So he in and of himself is a relational God. He, ontologically, if you like, is a relational God. It's part of who he is. We're made in that image. 
And therefore we are made needing relationships. It is not good for us to be alone. That's why when you punish someone, you give them solitude. You put them in isolation. He's created us to be like him, needing relationships. And so it's part of who we are. That's why we're here, lean on me, and our heart goes with it. And yet, in the very next chapter that again Matt was telling us about this morning, in Genesis 3, when everything goes wrong in the fall, uh, we see the good uh, creation that God made corrupted by us as human beings. And one of the things that's corrupted is relationships. It changes from what was intended. What's the first thing that Adam and Eve do once they've eaten that forbidden fruit we heard of this morning that caused the fall? What's the first thing that happens? Chapter 3, verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realised they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. That's a kind of odd verse until you stop and think about it. But it's actually a verse that's in direct contrast to one which had come earlier in chapter 2 which said the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Their relationship before the fall, do you see, is characterised by openness and trust and honesty and no shame. But the first thing that happens once the sin has occurred is the corruption of relationships. They immediately sew fig leaves together to cover up. Not hard to see the symbolism that's going on there now, is it? Now there's shame in human relationships. Now there's embarrassment in human relationships. Now there's a lack of trust and secrecy. It's a clear picture of the breaking down of human relationships. And since that time, since the fall, there is no human relationships that are perfect. They all continue to be corrupted in different ways because we're fallen people in a fallen world. Uh, But actually, the the broken relationships between human beings are not the only broken relationships that happen as a consequence of the fall. The other relationship that's impacted, of course, is our relationship with the Lord. Adam and Eve now hide from God. They're scared of him because they know what they've done. God is clearly displeased. He no longer dwells with them or walks amongst them. And that's why we know instinctively, both from the beginning of the Bible, that relationships are so important to us, they're central to us as human beings, and yet we also know they're not what they could be. They're not what they should be. They're imperfect and always will be in this fallen world. Well, today we're not just thinking about relationships generally, we're thinking about a particular relationship, that of friendship specifically. And yet friendship really is in some ways the the key relationship we have as human beings. It's the way that we talk about our relationship with God. Uh, Jesus, in a wonderful moment in John's Gospel, says to his disciples, you're no longer my servants but my friends. Uh, Abraham is described as God's friend in the book of Isaiah. So a friendship is a way that we can talk about our relationship with God. (coughs) Friendships also should be the heart of all our human relationships. Even specific ones that have extra bits like marriage or parenting have an element of friendship to them. If you're thinking about getting married, what should you be looking for in the other person? There's a whole lot of qualities, but if you're not a friend with them, what are you doing? Uh, We find Jesus himself needing friendship in the Gospels. Do you remember him the night before he dies? Uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's got kind of 12 friends, but within the 12 he's got three that he's probably closer to and he asks the three that are closer to him to come with him and he asks them to pray. Stay awake and pray as I go away and pray. And part of the, uh, why that, that evening is so moving 
is the sadness that none of his friends can do what he's asked of them, which is a picture of the failure of all relationships. And yet even though we know friendship is important, often we're rubbish at doing it. Uh, We're rubbish at thinking about it or learning about it or teaching about it, unlike many other relationships where we invest a lot of time and effort into them. If I become a parent, I can go to parenting classes where uh, my wife and I can take our children and we can learn how to be good parents or we've got a million parenting books to read and study and uh, some of them will be helpful and some of them will be less than helpful, but we can do it. When it comes to marriage, we've got marriage classes and seminars and courses and weekends where you go away, the two of you, and you can learn how to share and how to communicate and how to argue and all these wonderful things of uh, being married. And again, we've got the choice of millions of books to read on it. But friendship? I don't know of many. I'm sure you'll come up and tell me afterwards. I don't know of too many uh, weekends away where you pick your friend and go, come on, we're going to go on a a course on friendship. We're going to brush up on our banter and do trust falls and learn learn intricate high-five manoeuvres that last four or five minutes. We don't tend to do that with friendship. And yet it's so fundamental to human relationships. Well, we may not get that weekend, but the scriptures say a lot about friendship. Right the way through the Bible, but particularly in the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs, you know, is quite different from many of the other books in the Bible. It gives these kind of wise insights into life that aren't one plus one always equals two, but it's this is wisdom. It doesn't mean if you live this way it will always be this outcome, but it's this is the wise way to uh, to live, coming from the one who created us. And so today I want to give a few thoughts, a few random thoughts on friendship for us to think about, a relationship that's so often neglected. But before I do, I just want to give a warning. This talk will be rubbish and a waste of time if we just sit here and go, well, I hope George is listening to this. because he's a rubbish friend. I hope he's picked up on this little, I pray that we will hear it. There may well be some of us this morning here who feel deeply lonely and wish we had closer friends and more friends, but we can never force that to happen. But we can ensure that we are better friends, that we listen to it and feel the weight of some of these things and seek to put it into effect in our lives. So I pray that you will, um, the danger in this kind of thing, especially if we feel like we don't have many friends, is we can, we can kind of get a victim mentality and uh, get more and more down and more and more needy and, and then we're less helpful to other people and less a blessing for other people. So I pray that we will um, uh, listen and work out how we can be a friend, not just find friends like this. Uh, please remember Number two, I'm talking about friendship, not friendliness. And what I mean by that is we should be friendly and lovely to everyone. You can't be a friend to everyone because friendship is an important relationship. It takes too much time and too much involvement and too much investment. You can't do that with everyone. And so don't feel guilty that you can't. We we can't. Um, So I'm not talking about friendliness, I'm talking about friendship, those relationships that are important and significant and substantial and should be a blessing. So I don't want you to walk away going, oh no, I've got to do this for every single person. No, no, no. Now here's some things, uh, just some random uh, thoughts for you in, uh, in the area of friendship. The first thing I want to talk about with friendship may sound a bit odd, may sound a bit cold or calculated, but it's important and it's this, there should be an intentionality about friendship. There should be an intentionality to friendship. Proverbs 13.20, have we, have we 
got it, Dave? We've had some problems with the technical stuff, which was totally my fault, but I've put up a number of proverbs which I'm hoping we'll look through as we go through this next section, which you'll be able to see. Dave, you give me a nod if we get it. In the meantime, let me read out Proverbs 13.20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Similarly, another one, this is 14.7. Stay away from a foolish man, for you will not find knowledge on his lips. It's telling us to be careful who we invest time and energy into in friends. There's wisdom, great wisdom, in having good friends who are a blessing to us. We sometimes say that what we want in a friend is someone that we can just be who we are ourselves around. Actually, what we want is someone who will help us better ourselves. That's what we want. The first one's quite important, but the second one's essential. People that inspire us and set an example for us and advise us and who most importantly help us draw closer to the Lord. That's what we're after in friends. C.S. Lewis writes a, um, a kind of article on friendship in his book, The Four Loves, And in it, he's talking about this aspect of friendship that in itself, he says, it's kind of a neutral thing. It depends who your friends are and what they can do for you or do do for you. And he says this, friendship can be a school of virtue, but also a school of vice. It's ambivalent. It makes good people better and bad people worse. Do your friends make you better or worse? Do you make your friends better Or worse, do they push you forward or do they drag you back? Are they wise or are they foolish? There's a lovely phrase in 1 Samuel 23 talking about the friendship of David and Jonathan. And it says, Jonathan went to David and helped him find strength in God. If you remember nothing else from this talk, remember that. Because a great summary of friendship. Jonathan went to David and helped him find strength in God. That's the business. That's what a friend should do. Help the other find strength in God. Do our friends help us find strength in God or do they pull us away from the Lord? Do we help others find strength in the Lord or do we actually are we actually responsible for pulling them away? Our parents here this morning amongst us will know the worry and concern we have over the friends of our children because we know the massive difference it can make in their lives in changing their behaviour or their goals or their lifestyle in so many ways. And yet we can kind of think, well, that must stop around age 16, but it doesn't. Our friends have the power to influence us for good and for ill. We have the power to influence our friends for the same way. So be intentional about it. It may mean pulling back from some friendships. It may mean changing some friendships. It may mean investing more time and effort in some friendships. But be intentional. Don't just do it by accident or drift into it. I'm saying be intentional in your friendships. That's the first thing. Second thing, friendship should be faithful. And if there's nothing else that should be obvious, this is probably the most obvious. Our friendships should be faithful. They should persevere. They should be about us sticking by our friends during the trying times and us knowing that they'll stick with us, going through the ups and downs together. They should be faithful. Again, a couple of Proverbs on this. Uh, Proverbs 17.17, a friend loves at all times. 18.24, a man of many companions, that's mates, may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
See the difference between that? You're you kind of mates who are there when it's good and not so, and then off when it's not so good. But there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. 27.10, do not forsake your friend or the friend of your father. Now that means deliberate effort is needed. We've got to work to make sure that we're not just fair weather when it comes to friendship. Friendship like this needs patience. And when things get tricky in the friendship, it needs forbearance and forgiveness because we all let each other down as friends. Friendship is to be a blessing because it means that at those times in our lives when we we face the most difficulties, we know we can count on others to be there with us and for us. And not just in the midst of kind of random trials, but when we've made mistakes. There will be times in our lives when we've let the Lord down and let other people down and we can feel so low. What a blessing to know that there are friends who will forbear with us and stick with us during those times. Good and bad, thick and thin. Are we people who are faithful in this way in our friendships? People that forbear or are we people that get the hump and hold grudges? And only befriend those worthy of our friendship. And only for as long as they're worthy of it. And then we kind of, we're to stick closer than a brother. To not forsake our friends. Friendship is to be faithful. So there's an intentionality about friendship. There's a faithfulness about uh, (coughs) friendship. The next uh, heading seems a bit different to that. And I've got to explain what I mean. I just couldn't think of a good term. Friendship should involve emotional sensitivity. I can see all the guys coming going. What? Hang on. Faithful I'm okay with. What do you mean emotional sensitivity? What I mean is, there's probably a better term. Come and give it to me afterwards. But if we're friends, what I'm talking about is we genuinely think, act and speak in the best way for them, considerate of them, not just ourselves. Can't we all think of people that don't seem to have a clue how they come across? Some people are laughing right now. Some people are not. If you're not laughing, it might be you. Other people are thinking of you right at this moment. Some people don't seem to have a clue how they can annoy without meaning to or offend without meaning to or get in the way without meaning to or overstay their welcome without meaning to or butt in when they're not wanted. But we can all do that in different ways, in different relationships. And... The Lord actually thinks this is important enough to to talk about because in Proverbs we find Proverbs about this, about thinking of the other person and how we come across so that we're not going to unnecessarily offend or upset them. Some more Proverbs. Think these through as you hear them. 27.14 If a man loudly blesses his neighbour early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. But the person will go, Oh no, I was just trying to encourage them. Oh no, 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 I was just trying to be a real blessing to them. Yet you did it the wrong way. You did it in a way which actually made them feel awful. 27.14. Here's 25.17. Seldom set foot in your neighbour's house. Too much of you and he'll hate you. (laughs) Now again, remember this is not a one plus one equals two, but this is wisdom. Know that we can overstay. Know that we can get too involved. There's real wisdom there. Seldom set foot in you. I'm not trying to think about it. 25.20. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on soda, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Think about that. When you're going through a a desperate time, and someone just comes up and says, just rejoice in the Lord, don't worry about it. 
That can be the worst advice in the world, even if it's true. We're thinking, what I'm telling us to do is think about what we're saying and how we act to friends. Not just because we think it's the right thing in the right way, but because we love them and we want it to be the best for them. 26, 18, 19, it makes me think of all three of my children. Like a madman shouting firebrands or deadly, shooting firebrands or deadly arrows is a man who deceives his neighbour and says, only joking. <laughs> Can you see that all these verses speak of us doing things we think funny or we think appropriate or we just haven't thought about them at all rather than being emotionally sensitive and sensible, doing what's actually best for them and the best way for them. Have a think about that as a friend. How are you as a friend? Few worse things than a friend that only talks about themselves and never asks of the other. Or is constantly saying how tired and busy they are so that you can't feel like you can share with them because they're saying all the time how tired and busy they are. Or always needy. They always need stuff from you but never kind of give the other way. Are we like that with others? We will be at different times. Now, there's something lovely about being able to be with a friend and say, do you know what, I'm shattered and I need a break. And There's something good about that, but being aware. I'm not saying you can never do those things, I'm just being uh, emotionally sensitive. I'm pretty sure I'm talking mainly to the men on this one, so let me be more blunt. Don't be stunted and deficient in this way. Think about it. Think about your relationships and what's best for them. So that's a, third, that's a third one, emotionally sensitive. So we've got uh, um, do it intentionally, be faithful in it, be emotionally sensitive. The next one is the importance of the tongue when it comes to friendship. There's a few different aspects to this, but all of them are important. The book of James is great on the tongue, isn't it? Very um, helpful illustration of how just one little part of our body can can do such a job on directing us and uh, leading us in different ways, like a, a bit in the mouth of a horse. Just a little thing leads the horse, a rudder on the boat, just a little thing leads the same with the tongue in the area of friendship. How do you speak to your friends? How do you talk to them? Are you careful and gracious and honest or do you just blurt out whatever you think at the time that you think it? Again, you might want to say, well, Jay, surely having a friend means that I don't have to worry too much about what I say and how I speak because they're a friend and they'll still love me. That's true. And again, I'm not getting away from that. But remember, if our friendships are about truly bettering each other, truly pointing us to the Lord, then our tongues probably need to be controlled more in this area. One aspect of the tongue, there's a a few different ones, is to be thoughtful in the things that we say, to be considered. Look at 15.18. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man qualms a quarrel. Be thoughtful. Uh, Be thoughtful. Be considered. 15.28, the heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Do you see how great these proverbs are? Just the use of the word gush, it's so striking, isn't it? The gushing's not helpful. The weighing of answers is better. Don't be someone that's uh, <coughs> just rash and impetuous in our words. It's so important as we share life with each other to be considered and thoughtful. So be thoughtful in your speech, especially on the important stuff. Don't just gush. Uh, secondly, under the tongue, there's a number of reminders about the importance of gossip. And we can think, I think as human beings, that well, gossip's just not that big a deal. There's a lot worse things around than, than gossip. Gossip comes up Old Testament, New Testament. The Lord obviously thinks it's something that we need to, uh, to hear about. And the Bible speaks strongly on it. And I think it's because 
If we gossip, if we're a gossip, what it does is it says, you can't trust me. Because if I hear you speaking that way about other people, you're probably speaking that way about me. It speaks of a lack of discretion, a lack of self-control. Sometimes in our worst moments doing it, there's almost an enjoyment at being seen as the source of information. I want people to know that I know these things. Or almost a perverse enjoyment of the misfortune of others. Gossip is a terrible thing. 16 verse 28, a perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. That's what gossip does. 17.9, he who covers over an offence promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. There's a take the wound, don't gossip about it. And 20.19, a gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid a person that talks too much. Don't gossip. In Christian circles, we have our own way of gossiping. Sometimes it's called prayer meetings. And we give prayer requests for people, which everyone else is going, what? But really, it was just, uh, we've got to be careful. I probably don't have to say too much to those verses, do I? It's, some of us probably struggle with it more than others, but it's actually serious. Don't think that it's not. If you've got a weakness in this area and you know it, Pray about it and act on it. Don't just indulge it and minimise its importance. It may mean staying away from certain other people that bring out the worst in us or they, they do it. Or it may mean changing the nature of that friendship, talking to them about it. It may mean making a pact together. But I'm telling you, control the tongue. It's important for friendship. So thoughtfulness, gossip. The other main area with the tongue is honesty. Friendship should be the place where we hear and we give honesty. Not just what people want to hear, but what people need to hear. Not done insensitively, because that's unloving, but graciously. Because we're not just interested in speaking the truth, we're interested in people receiving the truth. Again, look at these proverbs. 27.6 is a great proverb. Remember it. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. An enemy will just tell you what you want to hear. Seems nice, seems great, but it won't be. But wounds from a friend can be trusted. 27.9, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. The pleasantness of one's friend springs from their earnest counsel. That's what you're after, earnest counsel from a friend. Not just flattery, not just praise, not just empty words. 29.5, whoever flatters his neighbour is spreading a net for his feet. That first one especially is so powerful, 27.6, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Now, as I mentioned, this is not licensed to be unkind or thoughtless. As I said, as friends, we should all be interested, not just in speaking the truth, but them receiving it, us giving it in a way which will be best for them to hear it and do it. But actually, what most of us do is we shy away from speaking honestly. We just flatter or avoid or ignore. But if the well-being of our friend comes first, we will sometimes give hard truths. I've spoken here before at St Stephen's about what I call personally the uh, American Idol Syndrome, which is uh, an illustration I like to give about how spectacularly self-deluded we can all be in different areas about ourselves. Uh, there's always that episode, if you've ever seen American Idol, where they show the truly horrendous auditions. You know the one I mean, where the one where they, they sing and it, smells, well, it sounds like small animals being tortured or something like that. And what always amazes me is that the person that sung is amazed when the judges say, you are terrible, you're not proceeding to the next stage. And they're like, what? What did you hear? 
because I'm a great singer. And then everyone at home watching is going, no, you're not. You're awful, truly awful. And we can be so self-deluded and just not see ourselves as we truly are. But extend that image for a moment to the friends that leave the audition with them. The friends who console them with their arm around the shoulder and go, don't listen to them, what would they know? You're a great singer. Is that a good friend? No, they're going to embarrass themselves again next year. That's not being a friend. That may be telling a person what they want to hear, but not what they need to hear. Honesty is key in friendship. The wounds of a friend can be trusted. Be that um, to someone or accepting it from someone. Because this is not just us speaking the truth, this is us receiving the truth from someone else. Making sure it's done as lovingly and graciously as possible and receiving it in that same spirit. And we're not just... um, Honesty is... There's that Billy Joel song, isn't there? It's so true. Honesty is such a lonely word. Everyone is so untrue. Honesty is hardly ever heard, but mostly what I need from you. So that's uh, the tongue. So we've thought about, with friendship, intentionality, the importance of choosing good friends and being deliberate, which takes thought and effort and action. We've seen the need to have faithful friendships where we persevere with each other, where we're with them through thick and thin, forgiving, forbearing. Uh, We've seen the need to be emotionally sensitive. Uh, We're out for their good, so we've got to think about the way we come off and the way we speak and act, and it's not just for our preference, it's for them. And we've seen the very important issue of the tongue, the need to speak thoughtfully, the need to stay clear of gossip and to be honest. Uh, The last aspect, and I'm going to go very quickly because we're running out of time, I just want to, the last part with friendship is just to remind us of the wonderful privilege we have to be friends with Jesus, to be friends with God. Because as I started off this morning, one of the painful, sad realities of this fallen world is that every human relationship will let you down. And you will let down every human relationship you have. You can't find a perfect human relationship. You can't find everything you need in one person. You can't even find everything you need in a combination of people. That's just true in this fallen world. Everyone will leave you or let you down or fail you in some way except Jesus. And this is the encouragement from this morning. Whether your friendships are in a good state or a bad state this morning, whether you're sitting here kind of feeling very connected to a lot of people and content, or whether you're actually feeling quite isolated and lonely, a friendship with the Lord changes everything. A friendship with Jesus changes everything. Because his friendship is enduring. His friendship is constant. His friendship is characterised by forgiveness and forbearance. His friendship absolutely brings us closer to the Lord. And therefore his friendship allows a security so that we're not needy with others. It grants us a confidence in the midst of human difficulties and other difficult human relationships because we've got one relationship that will never fall over, one that will never turn its back on us, one that will never break as we lean on him. The relationship with Jesus changes everything. You can lean on him. In fact, as good as those Bill Withers words are of lean on me, let me finish. I'll I'll wrap up with this. We're going to sing a song now. Jesus, friend of sinners. I'm going to read the the, the words of what we're going to sing because there's such a great uh, truth for us to remember. Jesus, friend of sinners, loved me ere I knew him, drew me with his cords of love, tightly bound me to him. Round my heart still closely twined the ties that none can sever, for I am his and he is mine. 
forever and forever. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to think about uh, this issue of friendship and I do pray that we might uh, take what we've seen this morning and seek to put them into our friendships and relationships. But more than that this morning, I thank you for the relationship we can have with you in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the one that is the friend to sinners and we pray this in his precious name. Amen.